I am the reluctant book marketer, and today the question I want to ask you is, what do you do when the marketing of your book is out of your hands? Because listen, it's going to happen to you at certain points along the way in your publishing journey. And I'm going to speak from experience today. I hope you don't mind that. But I am waiting. I'm waiting for my agent to get my book a deal with a publisher. Because that's the road that I have chosen to take. And I'm tired. This book went out on submission for the first time in 2019. And here we are in the wonderful year of 2022, closing in on 2023 faster than I can even conceive. And I still don't have a book deal. I've done as much as I know how to do to build my brand and make myself appealing to the publishers, and yet nobody's biting. What do you do when you're in that situation? We're going to unwrap some of the things that I'm doing right now to help improve my situation, even though the purchase of the book is out of my hands. I'm the reluctant book marketer, and I've got just one question for you. Do you see your novel as a million-dollar asset? Because if you don't, and you want to, you're in the right place. This is the only show for novelists who want to shift their mindset away from fear and toward abundance. Because you can sell more books than you ever dreamed when you believe in what you're doing. You know, I don't know about you, but I I had a religious upbringing, and there are still to this day Bible stories that I think about all the time. Um, not because I so much seek them for inspiration. Um, actually, honestly, because I see a shared misery in those stories. And the one that I'm referring to right now is the tribe of Israel, the, the Jews under the oppression of the Egyptians. And they escape into freedom by, uh, you know, some miracles, some really cool stuff like seas part, you know, and they walk across dry land, which I've always wondered, why did it really matter that the land was dry? Couldn't it have been like soggy land? But I didn't, I didn't part the sea, so it doesn't really matter. But I mean soggy land, and their boots are all muddy and stuff. That'd be cool. Anyway, the point here is, is that they get this really amazing moment. And I, I kind of relate to that because that's a bit how it felt for me when I left my, my job to start the podcast. Uh, and, and that's also another story. But, but I felt that way at different times too. Like when I decided that I was going to uh, write and again, when I got picked up by my literary agent, I'm free. Oh, it was so amazing. And then you walk through your dry land, smack dab into the middle of 40 years of wandering around aimlessly, wondering how you're going to feed your family, wondering when you're going to get your break. And I can completely even relate. And sorry if you're not religious, but I'll try to fill in all the details here. Okay, so so the Israelites are out there wandering around. They're they're supposed to be going to this promised land where everything's going to be great. Think the publishing deal, think 
full-time author, think touring the world, reading your book to, to strangers who have fallen in love with your voice and your stories. That's the promised land for us writers. But while we're waiting, we're wandering around trying to just sustain ourselves and not die because it's really hot and arid and there's nothing to eat. And then along comes this kind of bread. And this happens in, in the story of the Israelites that just sort of like, like do it materializes on the ground. Um, and they call it manna. And at first it's really tasty. And they're like, mm -mm, manna is delicious. But then after a while, when that's the only thing you eat, you're like, I would really kill for something else. Um, Side note, I don't understand why in the story God would get angry at them for having like a desire to eat a couple different things. But again, I didn't write the story, didn't make the story, just always been a question I've had. And and so, okay, they they eat this this bread that shows up and they're grateful for it at first, but it gets a little bit tiresome. And I've had something like this for a long time because people have told me, and again, remember, I grew up in a religious background, so maybe you can relate to this, maybe you can't, or maybe you can sort of uh, adjust it to fit your life. Because I think that we've all had moments where somebody has stepped in from outside our story and been like, what? Why can't you be grateful? Why can't you be grateful for the blessings in your life? You could, you know, like you have a job, you make six figures in this job. You're a manager. You uh, have like such a cushy lifestyle. You get to do whatever you want. You own real estate properties. How can you be angry? How can you be bitter that you don't have, you know, this one thing? Because I mean, like maybe your life was supposed to be something different. Maybe you've got to be open to changing directions. Thank you. I say thank you. Uh, well-meaning people out there, shut up. Thank you and shut up. Because I think it's fair for me to wonder why I have gotten some good breaks in life. And I, I want to let you know that it's an okay mindset to question, like, why am I getting these great breaks in life? But the thing I love so much and the thing I put so much energy in and the thing that I devote so much time to doesn't break my way. That is an okay question to have. It's an okay thing to wrestle with. Why? It's not breaking your way. And it's okay to feel bitter about it. It's not ideal, because I can't tell you what's okay for you uh, any more than I can tell you what's not okay for you, I guess. But I, I can share from, from my own experience um, that it's not ideal to take that bitterness and turn it into inaction. Okay, Your mindset should always be focused on action. What can I do to get closer to where I'm going. Um, and, and let's bring this back. Okay, let's take it back toward the origin of the question. What do you do when it's out of your control? Because we share that, whether we were brought up religious or not, we share that with the Israelites that as soon as they were freed in this story, they were out of control of when they got to their destination because actually... They didn't know where they were going. They knew that there was a promised land and that it was going to be flowing with milk and honey. Hopefully that's metaphorical because, I mean, milk and honey sounds surprisingly a lot like the ingredients in the manna. I've never put that together before, but if you're talking about like a sweet bread, milk and honey would be basically like the solid, solid form. Manna would be the solid form of milk and honey. Stay with me. Okay. They couldn't control 
the time frame, or the destination. They just had to continue to survive, long for, and do some more surviving. To have kids, probably, they needed to do that. So they had to, like, have a, a nice sand-free tent place. Um, ooh, that's another thing. They had tents. Can you imagine being married to somebody and having a tent? My brain is a little divergent right now. But, again, stay with me. Because this is life. This is what it is to be a writer. Is you have children along the way. Or you don't. You have a, a career along the way that's not writing. And probably has nothing to do with it. You have friends and weekends. Um, you know, I feel guilty right now. Because I've, I've put all my money on this thing. I feel guilty Literally, by the way, all my money's on this thing. It's either win or lose. There are no other options. And at some point, you'll probably be faced with a sort of similar dilemma if your goal is to go really big uh, with, with, your, with your books. And that's who I'm specifically talking to. I love if you're listening and your goal is not to go big with your books, but I'm talking to people who want a living and an abundance with their books. I'm getting excited. I'm getting fired up because that is what I'm here for is to talk with you through the desert while being in the desert and questioning whether anybody is still listening with such heavy religious metaphor. But this is the soup that I was made in. And I'm sorry about that. I still believe that those stories have a lot of power, just maybe not the exact power that I used to think they had. Wow, if you are still with me, thank you so much because I am going places, but it's, it's wandering, sort of like the, the people in the desert, you know, a little, little examination, exploration over here. Ooh, look, there's a spring of water and then another exploration over here. There's a bush. That one's not on fire. Thank goodness, because I don't want to talk about that right now. But just because I don't, I mean, burning bushes have been talked about ad nauseum pretty sure that's what I'm looking for. You can't control when you get there, regardless of which path you take. If you self-publish, you have more control of certain levers and less control of other levers. Uh, if you choose to publish traditionally, which is the road that I'm taking today, uh, you have less control of some levers and more control of other levers. Let's do pause and talk about that a little bit, just because uh, it's good to know this. If you self-publish, um, it takes a great deal of effort to get your book in uh, Barnes & Noble, for example. And even if you do to get it in stores nationwide, that's going to be slightly out of your control. It is going to depend a lot on sales. Hi, Train. Hey. This is Papa's podcast. He wants you to know this show is made using forced child labor. If you don't want the show to use forced child labor, you can subscribe to his Patreon at the $5 subscriber level and make sure that all the expenses of the show are paid for each month. You'll find a link in the show notes. But really, I still don't have control of certain things. What is in my control is making the best podcast episode, believing in what I'm doing. What is in my control is writing the best novel I can and putting it in the hands of the people who should like it. Those are the things I can control. I can know 
with a relative bit of certainty that a certain reader is going to enjoy my book. And I can pour all of my energy into figuring out who that person is and finding out where that person goes, finding out where that person hangs out. I can do all of those things. That's in my control. I can put my book in front of them. I can learn how to advertise on Amazon once I've published, if I self-publish, or even honestly, if I publish traditionally, I can still figure out how to advertise on Amazon by watching videos. There's all kinds of YouTube content. I don't go into it on my show because we're talking mindset here. Um, Although some of my guests will, and thank you to guests that do go into depth about how to do some of this stuff. It's important as well. What I'm saying is, You can figure out an awful lot by researching and putting your best efforts into things. You can do all the right things and still not hit the jackpot. There's an element of unknown. You can call it luck if you wish. You can call it fate. You can call it whatever you want. But there are things that will always be out of your control. And so I promised that I would answer you, what do you do when you're in the middle of this out of control moment when you're walking through the desert and you don't know when you're going to get there. And what you can do is you can keep your focus on the right things. Just because you can't force a situation to happen doesn't mean you can't keep working to make it happen. You can compound the energy. You can compound the tension. You can compound the action. Everything can be pressed and forced and squeezed into the most compact space. And here's an analogy that is completely outside of religion. So if you're still with me and you're grateful for this, you're welcome. The more compact energy is, the bigger the explosion is when it's released. You will find that you might not be able to control the day. And you will find that if you stay with it, if you continue to write every day, produce more books, produce more content, if you continue to record a podcast, if that's your thing, produce more content, share every bit of knowledge you have as best as you can, the way that only you can, if you continue to interact on social media, if you continue to develop your website, if you continue to do the right things to study algorithms, to study advertising, to study marketing, to really understand these things, when the moment breaks your way, you're going to have an explosive jump onto the scene. You don't know when that day is. And so this takes a level of waiting. But I want to end here by telling you about an interaction I had on Twitter. And it was through a question I asked. The question was, and and it might have even been a statement on this occasion. I, I think it was one of the very few statements I had, but I think I basically said, I believe that patience is an excuse for not working hard. And I got so much backlash from the community on that. There were there were so many people who said, I would never want to go see a movie with you or I'd never want to wait in line for a concert with you. And that's because I believe, and I want you to at least give me the chance to hear me out here, I believe that people confuse waiting with patience. 
it's fine to wait in line. I do it all the time. I wait for dinner um, if I'm not the one cooking it, or I wait for dinner if I'm just going to a restaurant and I have to order and there's a period of time. That's not patience, folks. That's not patience. And I know, going back to this religious stuff, because I guess that's what this episode's all about, that patience is a virtue or something, that I believe that love is supposed to be patient, um, according to, like, every wedding that I went to growing up. Oh... <sighs> I think that patience is a lie that is designed to hinder and hamper and hold us back. And I would encourage you to jettison the idea of patience in your life, or at least redefine parts of how you think about it. And maybe that's what I need to do too, is keep the word, but really hold on to the core definition. I'll look it up after this episode and maybe I'll make an addendum, but really, truly, let's just stick with this. Patience is a hack. Patience is a hack job. Patience is a lie. Waiting is inevitable. Patience is a mindset. And you need to be the most impatient person you know when it comes to your success. Don't send your submission out to one agent and wait to hear back from her. Don't send your submission out to one literary journal and wait to hear back from them. Don't publish one book on Amazon and wait to see how it sells. Be the impatient person in the room. This is the center of everything you're going to do. Be the impatient person in your town. Be the impatient person in your neighborhood. Be the impatient person that everybody feels a little bit edgy around because you demand action and you work toward it at every moment. Sure, relax, have fun, rest. Enjoy your weekends. That's a difficult thing for a person like me, and I imagine if you really are connected with this podcast, it's probably a difficult thing for you. But do your best to enjoy your weekends. It's okay. Nobody is going to be mad at you if you take a few hours to leisure. But I still say be the most impatient person you know. Demand results, even when you don't get them. When you have to wait for them, you can still demand them. See, Patience is the person who's standing in line to go to your favorite concert. That's Pearl Jam for me. And uh, say it's open seating. You get to sit wherever you want. And you got there before everybody else because you're impatient. I can't wait for it to start. So you get there. And you're the first person in line and you're waiting. Patience then is the person who's the first person in line. You're like, you know what? They're going to be here all night. Why don't you go ahead and go in? And by the time you've let every other person in line in, you get crappy seats and you can't enjoy the event because you were patient. You didn't need to get in there. Patient people wait to board the plane last on Southwest. Oh, drives me nuts. I mean, I know there's boarding groups, but still, like whatever boarding group you're in, you like, work your way, get your way, just shove your way into the front so you get a better seat because nobody wants to sit in the back row in the middle. And if you're okay with that, you need to check your motives. I'm serious. Be the most impatient person in the room. Do yourself that favor. It will pay you back. And I'm not going to close the wandering in the desert because I I can't rightfully do that for you. I'm not there yet. But that's what I'm doing right now. It's continuing to be impatient. I'm continuing to build my Twitter following. I'm working on TikTok. I'm working on Instagram. I'm thinking through ways to be a literary citizen in my city. Um, I'm kind of brewing some ideas about how I can be more involved there. Uh, I, I do email my agent a little bit more now than I used to to try to keep her submitting the book more because I'm impatient. Listen, I got a life to live. 
I'm writing a nonfiction book so that I can self-publish and I can start pushing on those levers while I wait for the other fiction side of the levers to go. By the way, if you're interested in my nonfiction book, it is the definitive method. It is the definitive manual based on my experience of the marketing mindset. And I call it the seven figure marketing mindset. I may change the title, but right now I call it the seven figure marketing mindset. And I do that because there's a lot of ego behind it. I want you to make a million dollars and sell a million copies. And so I'm going to be giving the book away for free very soon. This is going to be the main focus of my newsletter is the seven figure marketing mindset. So if you want that, please sign up for the newsletter. There'll be a link in the show notes. You'll hear it again during the outro music. And I may cut the train scene or I may not. So you'll just have to listen all the way through the music to see if I did, if it's not still already been mentioned in the episode. So if you're confused right now what I'm talking about, that means either the episode ends after the music or you'll get to hear the train part. If you're not confused, you've already heard the train part and you're wondering why I'm wasting all of the time right here. This is a true paradox. You're going to run into them in your life as a writer and a marketer and your marketing mindset is going to be filled with contradictions. Hold them equally in both hands. Go write a masterpiece. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a big favor right now. Click on the follow button in whatever podcast app you're listening on. That way you'll get notifications every time I drop a new episode. And if you still can't get enough, you can go to the show notes, click the link for my newsletter, and sign up today. I'll give you one to two interesting pieces of content every single month that you won't hear on the podcast or find laying around on the internet. They're really laying on that horn. Most likely edit this out. Okay. Wow, they really are just laying on it, though. Okay. 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 There aren't that many intersections in my town, but the train conductor is having the best day of his life right now. Thank you. We will most likely be cutting that or doing an outtake at the end of the episode, which will ruin my listen statistics. I won't get a, you know, very good listen statistics if I do an outtake, but maybe I don't give a crap about listen statistics. I do though. Um, it's kind of out of my control. I can share this episode with you and ask you to listen to it. Um, and some people will hit the 15 second button to like skip the train part and that'll jack with my statistics. Or if I put it at the end, people will quit listening after the music and that'll jack with it. You don't know how much that kind of stuff matters. Listening from the beginning to the end patiently actually can be the difference between my podcast reaching more people and, and not reaching the people that I want it to. That's a little bit out of my control. Yes, I can cut those sections and I can edit this episode down to make it really paired. Or I can manipulate the system and put out a bunch of two-minute episodes and you'll uh, probably listen through the whole thing just because you can't get to the button to stop it before it's over. 